Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Jim Allison Breakthrough is the astounding true story of one warm-hearted, stubborn man's vision quest to find a cure for cancer. The film traces Allison's remarkable life from his school days in Friday Night Lights, Creationist Texas, all the way to Stockholm, Sweden, where in December of 2018, he accepted the Nobel Prize in Medicine. Director Bill Haney is an award-winning documentarian, serial inventor, and entrepreneur who has founded more than a dozen companies, two of which develop drugs to cure cancer and neurological diseases. Meeting Allison in the labs of M.D. Anderson, Haney was immediately captivated by Jim's empathy and pathos as much as his scientific accomplishments. Today, Jim Allison is a name to be reckoned with throughout the scientific world. A 2018 Nobel Prize winner for the discovery of the immune system's role in defeating cancer, but for decades, he waged a lonely struggle against the skepticism of the medical establishment and the resistance of Big Pharma. Using intimate interviews with Allison and a set of scientific leaders, paired with the use of graphics and archival material, Jim Allison Breakthrough takes us into the inspiring and dramatic world of cutting-edge medicine and into the heart of a true American pioneer in a film that is both emotionally compelling and deeply entertaining. And that is the backstory behind this documentary film, Jim Allison Breakthrough, and we're joined today by the director of that film, and that would be Bill Haney. Bill, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you so much, Mike, for having me back. Uh, Yes, thank you for coming back. How did you get to know Jim Allison? Well, you know, I reached out to him. I I simply wrote him a letter. Did you know of you knew of his work? Is that how I knew of his work? Okay. So, um, you know, in a different part of my life, I run. I've been running tech companies since I was eighteen years old, and I run two biotech companies. So, in my work there, I had come across his fairly extraordinary role in inventing, you know, arguably the most revolutionary series of treatments for the world's most deadliest disease. You know, people have been trying to cure cancer for 3,000 years. We, we have documentation of the Egyptians trying to cure cancer. Wow. So for thousands of years, and he is the first person to really sustainably do it. You know, I was looking in these polarized political times, I was looking uh, for a story that would unite all Americans. And through the prism of our common perspective, you know, let us uh, think, let us enjoy, let us find enlightenment. You know, one thing you can say about cancer, there's nobody who's pro-cancer. You know, (laughs) north, south, east, west, rich, poor, blue, red, we all would like cancer to be cured because, sadly, it's touched all our families. And and it touched Jim's family. And um, I read a piece by a very gifted scientist surveying the history of innovation. And he said, I think quite effectively, you know, many of the great revolutions in science can be attributed um, only to groups. You know, there's a series of collaborators uh, working together over a long period of time to our common benefit. But unique in the world of life science revolutions um, in many ways is Jim Allison's distinctive and um, central role in creating the whole field of immuno-oncology. So that is what took me to Jim 
and to, you know, his visionary quest to uh, cure cancer, you know, while simultaneously playing the harmonica with <laughs> Willie Nelson at Austin <laughs> City Limits. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great thing about him, and he he's such an unassuming person. He is such a, a, a in some ways, self-effacing person, but at the same time, he's also a very determined person. Uh, when you met him and you had a chance to talk to him a little bit, and he did you introduce yourself as an innovator in the field of medicine or as a filmmaker? I introduced myself as a filmmaker. Okay. Um, um, but he was, you know, but other scientists spoke to him about my work in the sciences. Okay. And um, and I think that that helped largely because you know there's a cur- it's a curious thing. I've yet to find a feature-length documentary on a Nobel Prize-winning scientist, and um, and I think part of the challenge, particularly in the life sciences, is that the science itself can feel uh, pretty distant from the experience of the average American, and so I I, I think that it helped me be able to um, be a good translator for Jim to you know, the bright 15-year-olds and the intellectually curious 55-year-olds who I hope will see the film. And then, of course, Jim's infectious nature, the sheer joy and delight he takes in the world he lives in and the world of the sciences, I think is probably, you know, going to attract people more than my filmmaking. <laughs> well, it's it really is a fascinating film. And again, he, he is he's such an unassuming guy, but he's also uh, very direct, you know, he, he, I think you know when you when you hear him speak in the film, he's being interviewed. He uh, he doesn't he doesn't use a lot of words to get to the point. Uh, I'm just kind of curious how how did he react when you suggested that you know you wanted to do something about him? Well, I think he wanted to know why. You know, I think that um, part of the you know you you know this as you're in your own work and film. You know, part of what makes a documentary successful, a feature length, you know, not a, a narrative doc, not an expositional doc, for me at least, is the emotional openness and humanity of the protagonist. And um, absent that, you know, a highly guarded, deeply private person is, is just going to take you on a very different journey. And so I think Jim, you know, uh, welcomes the world with a, with a very open heart. But he has lots of demands on his schedule and to do the kind of intimate film that we're doing and to, you know, requires um, him to trust our, the sensitivity with which we'll handle, you know, details around his personal life and his family and his children and, you know, other, other things that matter deeply to him. I think that uh, we found common purpose over the, over the reason to make the film, which for me is to celebrate the creative life, the inspiration, inspiring, creative, imaginative life of the sciences in a way that is infrequently noted. Yeah. You know, um, if, I, if I ask you, if I challenge you to walk out of your, you know, um, radio station and just ask the first five people you meet to list for you five creative Americans or five creative world figures, they will name, I dare say, uh, poets and songwriters and filmmakers and actors yeah. None, I suspect none of them would name a scientist. Right. Um, but if you look at the Declaration of Independence, excuse me, the U.S. Constitution, if you look at the U.S. Constitution, there's only one right guaranteed to Americans in the U.S. Constitution. It's not freedom of speech. It's not freedom of assembly. 
heaven help us, it's not the right to bear arms. All of those things are granted later in the Bill of Rights. Um, the only thing in the Constitution itself is the right of uh, every American citizen to creative control over their um, imaginative work. Copyright and patents. And, but the way our society has evolved, we, we think of creative work in the landscape of copyright, songs and plays and novels and films, and much less frequently on the other side of the coin in the world of invention and uh, patents, engineering tools. So um, Jim and I found common purpose in my interest in exploring that. Yeah. That's such an important point, and I've never heard anyone make that point about the Constitution and about rights, and granted in the body of the Constitution. That's, uh, wow, that's how perverted is our world view of that today in, in when you look at it through the lens of the Constitution. Yeah, the founders didn't imagine a world of Twitter in quite the way that we've discovered it. Yeah. Um, uh, but oh. they knew the sciences mattered yeah. because, you know, many of them... Uh, lived, you know, a more rooted, a more rooted life. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about the work, and, and I do want to get to how cancer, and maybe this is the point where we should talk about how cancer has imp- impacted Jim's life, um, growing up and in his immediate family. There are a you know, number of places where uh, not only is he creative and innovative, but Thank goodness he's taken what's happened to his family personally and made it his life's work because we're all the better for it. But tell us a little bit about sort of the history of of cancer. Well, I think um, I will do that. And I think it's also, you know, in in a way it's a reminder of how circumstances, you know, can make us all or in some cases sadly break us. You know, Jim essentially comes of age holding his mother's hand as she dies of cancer in a small Texas village, you know, a town in the 40s, um, four hours south of Houston, you know, near the Mexican border. And his father, heartbroken, you know, uh, goes on a walkabout and rarely returns. And Jim finds himself in foster care. Um, And as you said earlier, you know, in creationist Friday Night Lights, South Texas, um, and his journey from that to um, winning the Nobel Prize in curing cancer and, uh, is an extraordinary. You know, it's it's a tale you couldn't imagine to be true, except it happened. <laughs> um, and um, yeah. and he, you know, he used science and um, music became the kind of two uh, guardrails to steer his life. He, you know, he's, he is a guy who met with the Pope to discuss curing cancer in the same week he played with Willie Nelson's <laughs> harmonica on stage at Austin City Limits. And, and his solace from his mother's loss was to take the harmonica into the woods and yeah. wander on his own and, and to find the structure and purity of thought and intention the scientists can offer in an unstable world. And um, so that, you know, and then cancer, of course, hit his family again and again, and and Jim himself 
you know, um, has been through multiple bouts of cancer. And I think that in sort of the same way we think that polio humanized Franklin Roosevelt, um, I think that Jim's experience with cancer has given him uh, empathy and sensitivity to the challenges of other people with cancer that, you know, would be harder to come otherwise. Yeah. Let's, I'm going to remind our listeners that we're speaking with Bill Haney. He's the writer, director, producer, responsible for the film Jim Allison Breakthrough. He's also known for such films as The Last Mountain, about the coal industry, The Price of Sugar, about worker exploitation, Life Among Whales, Racing Against the Clock, and many other film projects, film documentaries. Um, and absolutely. So let's let's talk about what it is that he locked onto early on, and despite a number of people telling him he wasn't on the right path, that turned out not to be the case. But what was it? What was his breakthrough uh, in terms of of the science of of cancer? Well, there were essentially um, two particularly high moments. You know, many scientists would say Jim Allison could have won the Nobel Prize for two distinct discoveries. Um, and the, the first is um, he began to understand how the immune system um, essentially detects friend from foe. You know, if we have in us um, cells that's job are to kill bacteria and viruses um, or to or the infections uh, associated with uh, wounds, um, how do they know what to kill and what not to kill? And that how do they um, sense that? What's the process of that working? And and Jim plumbed uh, some of the deepest mysteries of what's called the T-cell receptor. And the T-cell is at the epicenter of one part of the immune system called the adaptive immune system. And, um, and that uh, kind of revolutionary insight catalyzed the whole field of immunology and provided the launching pad for what would become Jim's next major discovery. Um, and, and that was Jim wondered why the immune system wouldn't cure cancer. What, why was the immune system able to distinguish and attack a flu cell, distinguish and attack a polio cell, and not distinguish and attack the cancer cell? And um, it's a somewhat complex tale, but what he discovered was ultimately that T-cells, the immune system, was capable of attacking cancer cells, but that cancer cells had also evolved to um, to trick the immune system uh, and turn it off, deactivate uh, the immune system when our well-being might be associated with it being activated. Yeah. And when Jim discovered that, this revealed an insight into the immune system that was wholly unexpected. If the immune system's there to protect us, why would it have the capacity to be turned off? And how would cancer figure out, or in this case, evolve to be able to manage that? An unexpected notion. And, um, God. and then when he figured that out, he figured out how to thwart cancer cells from turning off the immune system, in some cases for some patients which means that um, for essentially for 20% of the patients with 20% of the cancers, 
uh, we can give them a medicine, and all that it, that it does is stop cancer from turning off their own immune system. That's amazing. So it allows a patient's own immune system to to attack the cancer. And the good news of that is, once the immune system learns how to do it, it will do it forever. So the remission problems that come with radiation and surgery and chemotherapy uh, don't happen in the same way with medicines drawn off Jim's ideas. Right. It is such an an amazing thing that he figured out, and that no, and then then he got all this crap for it. That immunology, immunology was almost junk science, according to some people, and that it was it was you were, it's a fool's errand to try and track this stuff down. And yet, on and he he continued, and he he worked at it, and he and he kept figuring things out as he went along. And it also says something amazing about our biology, about us, about our ability, that what we possess within us, that this kind of, this to and fro goes on. And yeah, it's just amazing. And that, and the film makes it understandable and and informative and engaging and entertaining. That's the beauty of Jim Allison Breakthrough. I love the tagline, this is what a hero looks like. And you'll know when when you see the poster (laughs) that it just all fits together beautifully. It's just really a wonderful story. Um, Well, in the last couple of minutes, um, what was was, uh, Jim Allison's reaction to this film? It was um, my favorite moments in the movie come from this. So as an example, I told you that, you know, Jim trusted me and for which I'm very grateful. And I think, and on the list of that meant I never showed him the movie before it's first screened in public. Okay. Um, and part of the reason I did that is that I thought he would in, enjoy it more and have a better experience. Um, so I told you that he, his mother died while he held her hand and he was 11 and yeah. he has almost no memories of his mother. And he had only two old photographs, a black and white and a sepia yeah. photograph of his mother. That's all he had. And um, his older brother had been, uh, was named, or nicknamed, was named Augustus Murphy, and it was named A.M., and his next brother, Patrick Murphy, and P.M. And he had this sense that his parents had you know, planned to have two children. He was born nine years later. They never really wanted him, and that his mother, of course, had passed away, and his father, as I said, essentially abandoned him and um and then we we found um in the in a basement of an old house set of destroyed old canisters of film like acid had eaten them and animals had gotten in them and there was nothing uh initially that was uh, recoverable but we were able with this gifted craftsman in you know massachusetts rebuilt seconds five seconds of footage Of Jim and his mother, oh my God. and um, and in those moments, it was a uh, Jim's mother was holding Jim as a two-year-old, and she was a beautiful woman and clearly enraptured with her youngest child. And um, so, for Jim, seeing this for the first time in public, the first time he'd ever seen any footage of his mother, the first time he'd ever seen anything with his mother with him, and seeing her so obviously delighted with him, yeah. Um, I think was a transformative experience for him, oh. and um, you know, and as it would have been, of course, for any of us. Yeah. Well, the the, the idea that what that it was in motion, and you could see, you can see clearly just what you described. It, it that, and how I'm sure how relieved psychologically, whatever it was for him to see. Oh my God, that sounds like an amazing moment. 
Well, I, th- I think that's a great answer, uh, Bill, ha- Bill Haney, for to to the question of his reaction. I'm sure, and the people. There's so many people in the film. My God, there's just some really terrific uh, talking heads, if you will, in the film, who not only talk about the work that was done, but also just what a what a wonderful person that J- Jim Allison is, and uh, it makes for a really really great watch. So. Uh, Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Bill Haney, for for the film, and uh, for this. What a pleasure talking to you again. It is. It and... is a pleasure. It is a pleasure. The film again is Jim Allison Breakthrough. This is what a hero looks like. Is the tag, and it is in theaters on uh, September twenty seventh here in Los Angeles. You'll, all that information will be posted at the filmschoolradio.com website. You can go to breakthroughdoc.com to find out more about the film. Breakthroughdoc.com. And to you, uh, Bill Haney, continue your great work. You have an incredible resume. And also your work outside of the film business uh, is impressive as well. So thank you for everything that you're doing to make a better world for all of us. So thank well, It's a great privilege being with you today. And, you know, I wish you all the very best in your, on your own work. Thank you. And um, thank I'm you. looking forward to seeing it. Uh, it sounds like it's going to be exciting. Thank you. All right, Bill Haney, thank you so much for being here. Take all care. All the best, uh, Bye. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.